I'm Amanda, and this is Not Your Granny's Quilt Show. Welcome to today's show. On this episode, I have the Katie of Sospicious. If you have not seen her on Instagram, go check her out. She's released a few patterns this year. One of them is her free pattern, Rosalia, with her um, AGF socialite bundle. Go look at it. It's beautiful. She's also newly an RFL artisan. So that's going to be super fun. Um, she has a lot of cool projects coming up. And for those of you who wanted to know, she does tell us how she wore a cast for two months without breaking a bone. So stay tuned for that and let's get going. Hi there. Thanks for being here with me. I'm going to use this moment to plug my Patreon. If you haven't already, you can hop over to patreon.com slash not your granny's quilt show. If you pledge your dollars to help me out, you get a not your granny's quilt show logo sticker sent right to your door. So hop on over there today. That's patreon.com slash not your granny's quilt show. Whether you're out there listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or you're on YouTube watching the shenanigans, I would really love to see some stars out there or some thumbs up, some new subscriptions. So if you haven't yet, hop on to whatever platform you're on and click those like buttons, give me some stars, leave a review. It really helps me out and I would just be forever grateful. So let's get those stars rolling in. Thanks. Welcome to the show, Vicati. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. I've been eyeballing you for a while because I mean, you're an art gallery girl, an art field girl, and a teacher like I used to be. And then um, I saw your post when you talked about the, your cast story, which we'll get to, but I was like, I got to talk to this girl. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of weird injury stories to share. <laughs> I get them all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get weirdly injured too. I literally fell flat on my butt earlier this week because there's a spot in my parents' neighborhood. Cause I work out of my parents' house. Like that's where our quilting business is. Mm-hmm. And in the street, right outside their house is, um, like just a low spot in the concrete where water collects. And I stepped through it and slid just like my feet went right out from underneath me. Like I just fell flat on my butt. And strangely, like the only injury is like a weird scratch on my leg that I don't know how it got there. And then my thumb is like sprained. Oh no. <laughs> so I'm, I'm right there with you. I get weird injuries too. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. But before we talk about weird injuries, let's go back to your journey into how you got to sewing or how you became a quilter. Yes, I have a pretty long story um, because I I didn't start quilting when I first started sewing. Mm -hmm. Um, So we can backtrack. So my mom is a fashion designer and she studied fashion design in the Dominican Republic. She had a well-established business where she would make custom clothing for people. Um, and she had, she run a, she used to run a business from outside of her house. Um, and so I grew up in that environment. Like I would help out. I would sew buttons and all that, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but I distanced myself from it. Um, didn't, just didn't want to be in it for a while. And then my family migrated to the United States. Um, I saw on Facebook Marketplace, the sewing machine that was being sold, that reminded me of one that my mom used to have. So I bought it for her. It didn't really sell, so I refurbished it. And I loved it. It was an old singer. Yeah. And I presented it to her as a gift. And she's like, oh, I don't want this. I have too many machines. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and she said I could keep it. And so I kept it. And I was like, okay, I have a machine. I know the basics. Maybe I should try it out. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with the process of refurbishing a machine. That's how I started. Wow. And so I started collecting vintage sewing machines. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. And then I learned about a single featherweight. Mm-hmm. And one of the descriptions said that it is the perfect sewing machine for a quilter. And I did not know what that was. So I Googled what a quilter was. <laughs> yeah. And I fell in love. And I decided to make it my 2018 New Year's resolution to make a quilt. Wow. And I haven't stopped. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. 
So you just kind of grew up around it, but never were really like quilting. But so that's, that's really cool. Right. Because in the Dominican Republic, we don't need quilting. It's a hot weather, mm-hmm. you know, in the Caribbean. So that's not a thing that I was exposed to or knew about until here in the United States. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. I always wonder like how prevalent quilting is in different parts of the world, just because, you know, I think no, in the North of North America, it gets really cold and we need, we need lots of blankets and quilts um, to keep warm. So I just, whenever I hear of like a warm place, having a big group of quilters, I'm like, that seems crazy to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I recently learned that Costa Rica has a big quilting community that has been well established for years um I learned about this in a Spanish quilting podcast and I did not know that was a thing so wow I didn't know that either that's I mean they're so useful they can be used for more than just you know keeping warm they can be window covers they can be you know just covers for seats you don't have to use it as a blanket per se but Mm -hmm. that's really cool I didn't realize that Hmm. yeah I love learning new things about quilting. <laughs> <laughs> the more you know. Yeah, right. So have you been teaching um, in the United States the whole time that you have lived here? or? So I migrated here when I was 15 years old. Okay. Um, I was ready to do my senior year of high school. But because I was so young, I didn't oh. speak the language. I had to repeat my junior year. Um, but I did go to college for teaching um, secondary education that's my passion and okay. this will be my 13th year doing it oh wow um with the exception of last year I took it off because I had a baby uh-huh. um so I stayed home with her and I just went back to work this year 2022 okay wow mm-hmm. 13 years I only taught for eight years and I jumped ship so I was ready to be done but that's cool I think if I did go back I probably would do secondary because I was doing elementary and that's hard I I can't <laughs> I, I cannot even imagine I teach eighth through 11th grade right now mm-hmm. and eighth grade is the most difficult grade for me to teach um, because they're at that pivotal age where they're not really kids but they think that they're grown so mm-hmm. we're always butting heads for the most part yeah um, so it's the one class or the one grade that I haven't been able to fall in love with teaching that age group yet yeah Um, yeah 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 I just they're like they have like no empathy yet at that age so they just (laughs) are wild and out there and you're like what are you doing oh the hormones oh yeah everything is so big all the drama like Mm -hmm. I I can't yeah (laughs) Yeah. that's the youngest age group I can teach right now and I barely do it (laughs) (laughs) you're like I'm barely making it oh that's so funny yeah yeah okay so you moved here when you were 15 that's that's like a hard age too but and and being so young and ready to graduate that's awesome like that you were so far ahead but it's it's Mm -hmm. hard when it doesn't translate either because then you have to repeat you're like I already did this (laughs) yeah and also starting college at 15 16 years old that's just yeah. It would be really hard, especially like having just moved to a new country, not speaking the language, and then such of a huge transition. I think even though I had to repeat that year in high school, I, I see it as an investment and not mm-hmm. as a waste of year. Because I, I formed great relationships. I have friends from high school um, that we're still friends. And if I had just been there for one year, I feel like I wouldn't have had the chance to form those bonds yeah. and relationships. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good that mm-hmm. you had the opportunity to just to, cause I think I could only imagine, you know, moving. Yeah. And not having the language and trying to get relationships and get to know people is very difficult and, you know, mm-hmm. just a, a challenge, but that's really cool that you were able to make friends and have them and move forward with that. So, I mean, I've only changed schools, normal schools, and that was hard enough. Like, <laughs> being like oh no now I'm in this sea of all new people and yeah wow that's really it's like always inspiring to me like hearing 
people moving to new countries and learning the new language and, you know, making their life, you know, try to fit in enough, but also just like being themselves and still moving through the world with their own personality and, and bringing their experience into it. Cause I think it's so, it's so incredible what people can share. So. And yeah. And how resilient mm-hmm. human beings are, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. it's always like a miracle to me that people can survive that, like <laughs> without just shutting themselves inside and, and, you know, not really experiencing their life, but it's really cool. Like, you know, it gives me a lot of respect for, for you and for people like you who've done that. And I just am in awe. It scares me, but like yeah. I was telling you earlier, I, my husband, and I always talk about wanting to retire and spend like half of it, half the year in Spain and then still come back. But you know, we're both like, Oh no, we don't know Spanish very well. And like, we're going to look like a bunch of idiots. And I'm like, you know, I think as long as we're willing to like laugh it off and like be a little bit, look a little bit foolish for the learning experience, I think people would receive that better than us getting like frustrated that we can't communicate or, you know, getting mad at Mm -hmm. ourselves or just not talking because we're scared to talk or say what we want to say. And so we're working on saying little phrases to each other through throughout the day. And when we're just at home together and sometimes I'll say things and he's like, he'll think it, he's like, hold on. I think I know what you're saying. Hold on. And he'll like, think it out. <laughs> sometimes it takes like five minutes for him to work out what I've just said to him. But like, I love that he's trying so hard and, you know, I think it, that to me kind of makes the experience less seem less scary if it does happen. But anyway, mm-hmm. enough about you you're both walking this path together, right? You have each other to rely on and help each other out, which is great. You know, you're not doing it on your own. Yeah. I think if I was just learning it and he was like, oh, whatever, I'll learn it when I get there. I would be like, no, (laughs) no, (laughs) not happening. Yeah. And I get sometimes that's the case. Like you just, you know, especially when you're young, you're like, your parents are like, we're moving. And maybe you didn't have an opportunity to learn the language or, you know, there's a dire circumstance that makes it so you have to move without any notice. And so, you know, you never know somebody's reason for being where they are and Mm -hmm. their level of language. So just good to stay open. I agree. hundred percent. Yeah. So you started quilting in 2018. So what was that like? Did you take classes? Did you just get on YouTube? Like, how did you get into it? So first I bought a Craftsy quilt kit um, because I wanted to make that specific one. My nephew was going to be born in February. So he said I had a month to learn this. Um, And so, yeah, I learned on YouTube. I learned Googling. Uh, My best friend at the time was also wanting to learn. So we bought the exact same kit. Mm. And so we were trying to figure it out together. Yeah. Um, The quilt was not finished until after my nephew was like, five or six months old um, but I did it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the important part right <laughs> exactly yeah we figure it out that's really mm-hmm. cool and you know again not doing it alone I don't think I would have learned to quilt if it wasn't for my best friends who forced me to do it and were there with me every step of the way and that really it made all the difference because I wasn't sitting in a dark room by myself crying over fabric <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm a sweaty person so whenever I was trying to cut fabric I was so nervous because I didn't want to mess it up because you mm-hmm. have so much and like I would get the fabric wet because my oh, no. fingers were so sweaty <laughs> oh, no. and my friend's like you need to relax it's going to be okay I'm like I don't know I don't know what to do yeah um yeah yeah like I need to google this real quick <laughs> Yeah. Well, and cutting fabric is like the one area you don't want to mess up. Cause like you said, you only have so much. And especially when you buy a kit, like you might not be able to match that same fabric or that same color with your local shops. And it's like really tricky. So I'm with you. I get really, right. I get really nervous when I cut fabric too, still, even though, you know, it's my job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've just messed it up before and had to go back and they haven't had the right thing 
I had to like make work whatever I had left and it was like I just hate that because I like don't want I don't want to put that out for people you know and be like well I messed this up so don't look at it but also (laughs) here's this thing you paid a lot of money for (laughs) yeah I don't want to be pointing this out all the time but there is a mistake on this quilt and like you're just saying that but you know it's there but you don't want them to see it Mm -hmm. you're like I did it it's great but there is this thing on it right it's like should I warn you so that you don't freak out when you see it or should I just not point it out because 99% of the time people don't see the mistakes because they're not not looking at that part Mm -hmm. (sighs) and they wouldn't know it unless you point it out no no exactly I literally sorry go ahead no you go ahead as it to us it's like we can see it it's there mm-hmm. but if you don't know what you're looking for then it's just the most beautiful quilt you've ever seen in your life yeah exactly mm-hmm. well that's I I think I was gonna say oh on my very first quilt I made with my best friends I keep it on my bed all the time so if I have if it's winter I have two quilts and in the summer I just have that one quilt and I just yesterday noticed a spot where um, the seam was like, when I pressed it, this there was like more fabric on one side of the seam than the other. And so it was kind of folded over and the mm-hmm. quilting like went over that seam and kind of folded the fabric back. And I, first time in six years, just noticed that one thing and not like it's a mistake, but you know, I was like, wow, I never even knew this part this thing was here and I've been sleeping with this quilt on my bed for six years <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> and it's still a perfectly functional quilt exactly right? exactly so it just goes to show you like I made the quilt and I still didn't even notice it so yeah I don't know it's and it's good to work out those mistakes or learn like see them because then you learn from them mm-hmm. and you can you know notice them for next time and or just let it be yeah just say okay I did that and then next quilt try to remember not to do that thing again yeah just be more aware but yeah it's it's that's one thing one thing I'm working on this year is being less critical of my own work Mm. because I'm the type of person like every single scene needs to match or every little point needs to be perfect Mm -hmm. and I'm just learning to let it go like it's okay it's gonna be okay yeah it's gonna be a quilt people are going to love it or I'm going to love it. It's going to stay here in the house. If it's for my daughter, she's going to love it. She doesn't even know what a mistake is yet. Yeah. It's just this, you know, so it's just let it be. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's so hard. It is hard. It is hard. <laughs> and that like, I'm also very critical of my own work too. So I, I can understand that, but it was funny because I was teaching long arming for a little bit and I would always tell them like, oh, don't worry about the little wobbles or mistakes in your pantograph because that's, you know, what puts you, you in the quilt. It puts, puts the humanity into the quilt instead of just a, another store-bought machine-made item that doesn't have any personal touches. And, you know, what you see is wobbly and, you know, maybe not perfect, but to the person who receives it, all they see is that you made them something. And I would tell people that all the time, but then as soon as I make a mistake, I'm like, oh, you're yeah. such an idiot. <laughs> I'm like yelling at myself and I'm like, right. I should probably practice what I'm telling other Preaching. people to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I find that as a teacher myself, I'm like, it's okay. When you're writing, don't even think about what you're writing. Just put it out in paper. We'll edit it later. Mm-hmm. But when it's me, I'm like, oh my God, why am I doing this? Yeah. I should know better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that grace for yourself is really important when you're, especially a creative maker, because a lot of times you're just trying things out to see if they work or just trying to express your creativity. And it's not about the perfection. It's about, did you get the message across that you were trying to create? And so right, it's hard to remember that though sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this quilt that I have right here mm-hmm. I wrote the pattern and I made the sample and there are hourglass blocks in it mm-hmm. and I arranged them all perfectly I took a picture and then I 
went to my sewing machine and I sewed them. And some of the hourglasses are not facing the right way. Oh, no. But I didn't realize it until it was already quilted, bound. And I was just taking a picture to show it to a friend. Yeah. And I wanted to cry. But I'm like, <laughs> no, but it's it's okay. It's a, yeah. it's a quilt. It's going to be fine. Yeah. And but, you didn't notice it that whole time. Like, exactly. it's probably fine. It's probably fine. Yeah. No, I there have been times and one of one of like my most favorite quilts I've made, but also it has some of the mistakes that are the hardest for me to look at because they're just silly things that I was in such a hurry. I didn't really notice them at the time because I was hurrying. And then yeah, again, once it was quilted and bound, I was like, oh no. <laughs> but nobody else, <laughs> nobody else sees it. So it's like it's just me picking out the parts I know I messed up on, but it's really not that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah. I just, I kind of felt bad too. Cause I was like, well, it was a test pattern and I didn't do it right. And you know, because I was right up against the deadline again. So I had to take a break from <laughs> testing quilts. Cause I'm just like, I don't, I'm too busy. I can't, I don't have the time, which is so sad. Cause I loved the, the experience of testing quilt patterns, but yeah. Same. I love testing, but I don't have the time to do it anymore. Yeah. I bet. At least right now. Yeah. Because you're writing your own patterns too. So mm-hmm. you need testers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I love testing for other people because I, I learned to be a better writer the way mm-hmm. that I see other people teach or explain certain things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet that's a good way to learn the pattern writing process too, is to see how other people do it and what works for you to, to understand a pattern. Cause I think some people write patterns and they word things a certain way. And then like, I might read it and go, I have no idea what this person's trying to ask me to do, but to them, it made perfect sense. You know, it's like, you have to think about your whole audience and who is, who's going to be reading your pattern and are you giving enough information to help them, but not too much that it overwhelms them? And mm-hmm. there's a sweet spot and I'm, you know, the, the ones who are good are really good. And the ones who aren't, I, it's sad. <laughs> <laughs> I try to come at it from like a language learner point of view, which mm-hmm. I still consider myself learning the language. Um, so I think of myself when I was, I have very basic knowledge of English and trying to read something and I just could not get it yeah um, so I try to come to write my patterns you know the teaching method like the I plus one mm-hmm. where you are plus the one difficulty level so you don't find it off-putting but challenging enough for you to keep wanting to do it yeah I try to implement that in my pattern writing um, yeah, okay. I'm not saying I'm a great pattern writer but I think I'm good <laughs> but it works well yeah I think, uh, you know, not everybody's going to love every style, but I think when you find your people that love you, then they are like loyal and they share, you know, they share your work with other people because they are so excited about feeling good about making a pattern that, you know, they could understand and work through and which is, you know, word of mouth is like the best compliment for that kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. that's yeah. So yeah. you have a it's, new, sorry. I was going to say, it's really rewarding to me whenever I get a message, someone saying, Hey, I just made this pattern and I love it. You, you know, the writing is so clear and the images help out. It's so great. It's just like lights my light a little brighter. Yeah. It, you know, makes me just a little like, Oh, yay. Somebody yeah. appreciates it. Yeah. I like that a lot. It's so nice to get that positive feedback because then it's like, okay, this is giving people Mm -hmm. joy. Like if you Mm -hmm. get joy from it, that's cool and that's great. But when you can help bring joy to other people, that makes it that much more exciting. And it makes it worth their money, right? Because hey, for a pattern, you want it to be something that's usable and understandable. Mm -hmm. You want it, you want people to find the worth in the work that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. that's so cool so you have a new pattern that just came out in 
April did it come out? Which one? Um, the name is just slipping my mind. Um, it came out with your socialite bundle. Oh, my Rosalia pattern. Yes. Thank you. So sorry. I could not remember. I'm like, I should have written it down. <laughs> no, sorry. I, I feel like I put a pattern out in March, one in April, one in May. Okay. So okay. it was like back to back to back. Yeah. Um, but it was a lot of work. It was three months. Yeah. Very little sleep, but they're out there. Yeah. And yeah, my Rosalia pattern is the one that came together with my bundle for ATF. Okay. Um, so it's a free pattern on my website. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. And your bundle is beautiful. And I was just like drooling over it because <laughs> I love AGF solids. And thank you. So when I saw, saw your bundle and your, the Rosalia pattern, I was like, this might be the one, this might, might be the one. So Aww, I'm glad I'm the one for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just love Yay. those colors. They're so fun and bright and happy and Thank you. That's what yeah. I really wanted to put out there. Just some really bright colors. So vivid. I feel like they represent me in an essence. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I just, I love the bright colors. Yeah. And I just, even though I only wear black, right. mostly black. <laughs> My clothes are bright colors and I love yeah. it. Yeah. It's, I think it's fun. Like because I, you know, like the quilt behind me and all the quilts in my house are just all colorful and crazy prints. And I, you know, I love, love tulip pink and I love rifle paper and I love, you know, art gallery. I have all these like big, bold prints and just colors. And, but then, yeah, my clothes, I'm like, I will wear a gray t-shirt and black pants. And I will, you know, <laughs> sometimes I have bright things, but it's like mostly my my color palette on my clothes is so moody compared to like what fabric I like to work with. So yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I only wear black, but you can find my shelf and it's all bright colors. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. And I think too, like you don't have to wear a quilt so you can use colors that maybe you wouldn't like on your own self, but then you can put it in a quilt. Like there's some colors that just look awful on me so but I do love them as colors and so I tend to yeah. put them in quilts more often because on my body no good <laughs> I hear you yeah but you know that's fun so then you had a, another pattern release after that one so in May which what pattern was that it's called the mini quilt okay yeah and what what inspired that one it's inspired in a house core step block. It has, it's a variation on that block. Okay. Um, it's named after my daughter's favorite dinosaur. Oh. Um, <laughs> she's two and a half and she has a favorite dinosaur. Um, and I just, I was struggling to find a name for this pattern. And I, she was really into dinosaurs and all she wanted to show me was her mini, mini, mini. Um, and then it, it, it sounds like our nickname for her. My daughter's name is Minerva, and we call okay. her Mini. Okay. Yeah, so it's just like, that's the perfect name. Oh, cute. Yeah. I love that. How fun. And yeah. That has, has that been received pretty well or like? Yeah, it did pretty well. Yeah. I am, I don't know, like, I don't know what it's compared to, but compared to my first quilt, which tomorrow is the anniversary of me putting out my first quilt ever. Ooh. Um, yeah, I did pretty well. Awesome. No Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. That's so cool. How fun. I just get, I really, I do get inspired by people who see, you know, they have these images in their mind and they want to put it on paper and make a quilt out of it. And I'm just like, I don't know. I need, I need <laughs> instructions. Cause I get like, I get panicked when I have to just like, make something up or you know design something my, my mom is like that too she I don't think she would ever like formally write a pattern but if she mm -hmm. sees something she's like I can make that into a quilt and she'll figure it out or she'll if somebody's like oh I kind of want a quilt like this or like this and she'll just like sketch something out and they're like oh that's exactly it and then she just makes it and I'm like oh my god <laughs> wow <laughs> that's a talent that's it is really like good. yeah so I just, I feel so inspired by it, which is so fun. And, you know, I'm a quilter, so I use lots of patterns. So I love when I can find things that, you know, spark my interest and make me feel excited. And 
thankfully there's a lot out there, but I think, you know, it's fun to find like the group of pattern writers that you like that yes. have your similar style that can, you know, translate design and ideas into something that you want to have around you. And mm -hmm. it's, there's just a wealth of inspiration out there. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much out there, so many resources and so many different things to find inspiration on. Just, I wish I had four more hours a day to dedicate mm -hmm. just the writing or just the designing or just the clothing. Yeah. But There's never enough time. Never enough hours in a day. No, especially when you have kids. <laughs> Yeah, and you work a full-time job mm -hmm. <laughs> that never yeah. ends. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, I can carve out time, but sometimes you just can't, and it's it's hard. And you know, even if you intend, like, I'll just sit down for half an hour. Sometimes you spend that half an hour doing something completely different, and you're like, wow, I didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. And you know, as a teacher, like you don't leave the job at the door; it comes home with you. Mm -hmm. So it's not, I'm like answering emails from parents or a kid has a question about an assignment or mm -hmm. a coworker wants to plan. I'm like, no, this is time for me to be with my baby and later to quilt. Yeah. I don't want to answer these emails right now. Right. Um, I know. Yeah. So it's really difficult to leave it at the door and then focus on something else. Yeah. Um, yeah. So trying to find that balance and disconnect and yeah. yeah yeah and I think it's important too in separating from your day job but yeah like you said teaching is so hard to do that because you care about every single one of those kids and their their progress and people are wanting stuff from you all hours and you're just like having a hard boundary is almost impossible but then mm -hmm. yeah making time for your family and making time to do the stuff that you enjoy kind of takes a back seat sometimes and yeah and you know I think especially as women we're we're expected to make everybody's needs more important than our own and kind of conditioned to think that the needs of everyone else should come first and we're we're you know not good if we don't if we want to put our needs first instead of someone else's and so fighting that like at least for me, fighting that spiraling thought in my head is so hard sometimes. So hard. Yeah. Because it's like, it's not morally, there's no moral morality to it. It's, but it's made to feel that way, especially for like, you're not, a, you're not a very good at being a woman if you're not like getting walked all over and yeah, then I don't want to be good at it. <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. No. Yeah, no. I did it. I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, I'm over it. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. But, and I think teachers have it, get it worse, you know, whether you're a female or a male teacher, like, but especially female teachers, I think we just get that short end of the stick on a lot of things and mm -hmm. just like not considered as like real full, whole human beings outside of the job itself. So but that's my soapbox. So <laughs> I'll step off of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, not to detour from quilting, but uh -huh. you did have a story that some people have been itching to hear <laughs> about the time that you had to wear a cast for two months, but you didn't have a broken bone. So I think we should let the people have it. And <laughs> all right, uh, it's, a, it's a funny story. But back in the Dominican Republic, we had this. We had our house, and there was a slot next to us that was empty. Mm -hmm. um, and we had it just it was overgrown with bushes. There were trees and fruit plants, and um, there was a lemon tree in that bunch of things mm -hmm. and we had a pretty big yard all the kids in the neighborhood would get together after school and we were playing dodgeball mm -hmm. um but we didn't have an actual ball so what we were using was a, a plastic gallon 
Oh, okay. Um, so we just throw that at each other back and <laughs> forth. <laughs> and then <laughs> our gallon went to the lot with all the bushes and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And I went to get it because, you know, like, oh, I'm going to go get it. And I was so I went and I climbed the fence and I jumped and I fell on my knee and I felt something go in my knee. Uh-huh. I was like, whatever. Didn't pay any attention to it. I was like, I'll just keep playing. And I kept playing on my knee. Um, I Then it was hurting really bad, but I didn't tell my parents. I took a bath and I went to bed. Oh, no. I didn't have dinner. I just went to bed. And then in the middle of the night, I just could not move my leg. I, it was, I could not move it. I it was just stiff um so I started screaming called my mom they rushed me to the ER they found that I had a thorn from the lemon tree stuck behind my patella (gasps) which is that flat bone in your knee yeah um it was stuck in there and behind that bone we have a like a little stack with Mm -hmm. liquid that lubricates our knee Mm -hmm. and I had to puncture that and so all that liquid was just sitting around all that tissue and all that in my knee yeah um yeah so they had oh. to drain all of that out oh my gosh they um they, they gave me a cast for two months so as to immobilize immobilize the knee uh-huh. um so that the sack and the liquid will have time to regenerate itself before my knee had to go back to work yeah doing all the work that it needs does um oh. and yeah <laughs> that's how i wore a cast for oh, two oh. months oh, without breaking gosh. the bone <laughs> oh, that's terrible so yeah. ew, that went inside your knee. Oh, I just like, I yeah. have terrible knees. I injure them. I injured them a lot as a kid. And I got in a car accident when I was like 20 and had to get stitches in one knee because like it hit my knee hit the steering wheel column so hard that it popped my skin open in three spots. Ooh, well. So I've had like a lot of trauma to the knee. So like hearing that story, I'm like, my knees hurt. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my yeah, goodness. I remember my cast was from my my um ankle all the yeah. way up my thigh. So I would walk like I had a pet leg, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh um, and so I wore it for so long that I needed physical therapy to go back to getting my knee to bend properly and my joints to work right, and for yeah. me not to walk like I was like walking a, on a peg leg, like a pirate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. My niece broke her leg like really bad one summer and it was like right at the beginning of summer and she had to wear a full leg cast for most of the summer. And same thing, she had to do physical therapy because she was like hobbling all funny on it when she first started walking. We were like, what are you doing? She was like, leave me alone. Oh, I was like, no, you look hilarious. (laughs) No, she was, she was a good sport. We were were just being silly, but yeah, it took her a while to like get back to she wore that cast for a long time yeah like the whole summer because it was oh. so the break was so bad she had like then one of those big you know inflatable jump house thingies and it had a water slide off one side oh. and she was at the top of that and like slipped and f- jumped off like the top and when she landed that's what she broke her i know it's crazy but it sounds painful yeah yeah Hmm. anyway well that's that's crazy yeah that's what happened to my knee and that's why I had to wear a cast do you have problems with your knee at all is it just back to normal like it's back to normal um I mean I think as a kid like I said before we're so resilient it was fine you know um but I I have tried to pick up running and Uh after a while just my knee just cannot handle it yeah. Um. So I would build up the courage. Like I would run for a month, and then my knee would stop bothering me, and then I would stop, and I would take a break, and I would yeah. try it again, and then it was just that constant cycle. Yeah. So I don't run anymore. Yeah. Don't even no. try it. <laughs> it's hard. It's so hard on your knees too, especially like just all that pounding force. And I was trying to be a runner because my husband's a runner, and I would do some five K's. And then I did a half marathon and that destroyed me because I just, my knees are like, not okay. (laughs) So I just don't run anymore. I'm like, I'll just lift weights. That's enough. (laughs) So it's tricky. Yeah. All I do is run my mouth. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> You're like, I'll run something. <laughs> That's all I run nowadays. <laughs> oh, me too, actually. So it works, right? <laughs> yeah, it's perfect exercise. Yeah, something's running. Something's exactly. getting worked. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. <laughs> wow. That's bonkers. I still can't get out. Like I'm still, my knee still hurts thinking about it, but now people know why you had to wear a cast and mysteries I, can be solved. <laughs> yeah. I've never broken a bone, but I had a cast. That's so lucky. Like, well, I think on your post where you mentioned that, and then we were like, I'm not telling anybody. Um, <laughs> I had said I, I had the one stress fracture and that was from running. So did you have to, you had to use crutches or like, no, I was just, I would just walk around. just like hop yeah. around all wow. day. Cause it yeah. wasn't about putting the pressure on. It was just keeping the knee from. Yeah. From bending. Oh mm -hmm. wow. And I remember the cast would like roll down and then my mom would pull it up where it's yeah. supposed to go every couple of days. <laughs> yeah that's so funny well because you're like your muscles and stuff because you're not using them the right way they shrink up so I can imagine that the calf would sh the cast would shift a little bit yeah and also like a, a seven eight year old kid I'm just not yeah. gonna stop doing what I'm doing I'm just gonna yeah. keep running around even if I just mm -hmm. you know hobble around I would just keep playing that well oh my god <laughs> Never like, it's fine I'm fine <laughs> hey let's go <laughs> my that's, turn that's hilarious we did catch yeah. because my nephew just broke his wrist like last week so we were I know the poor kid can't catch a break but he was at my parents house with a friend and they were out in the front yard like rolling around playing football and we were like hey he was like oh I'm sorry we're like what are you like what he's like I don't know I just want to play we're like we know but it's you know I feel him in um in March right before the announcement from EGF I mm -hmm. I did not tore my rotator cuff but I injured it somehow oh, no. I was getting up from a table I put my weight on my hands at school yeah and I just pushed up and I remember just feeling like this heat and then my shoulder just started hurting yeah um and then I went to urgent care they told me it was a rotator cuff I needed to get an x-ray to see if it was broken was fine mm -hmm. um but I had to wear my arm in a sling for about two weeks Ugh. but I just wanted to quilt <laughs> I just wanted to sit up a machine and quilt so like wear it and like try to like take my arm out just a little bit so <laughs> yeah. that I can guide you know and still use yeah. it um and then I remember my daughter's daycare is across from a playground mm -hmm. um and she wanted to go the playground I'm like no mommy's shoulders hurt mommy's shoulder hurts we should go home and she points to my other shoulder. She goes, that one doesn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> that other one hurt, mommy? Not that one. <laughs> I guess you're right. Hands, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. <sighs> but I guess her point was, you know, you can sit down in the machine and quilt. You mm -hmm. can take me to the playground too. You know, yeah. you have that whole other arm. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, that's funny. I like that. She's a girl who knows what she wants, so. <laughs> good luck with that thank you it's just not even not even three and it's already yeah it's already a handful yeah well yeah my family called me demanda when I was that age because of demanding <laughs> I was and I'm like well you know and here I am it worked out it was fine so I think it's good we need more demanding Perfect. demanding women out there who know what they want I love it. That's all I want to raise. A yeah. strong, independent woman. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh yeah. my gosh. How cute. That's so funny. She's so like, not cute. that shoulder, mom. Come on. <laughs> that, that other one doesn't hurt. <laughs> you have a good point. That's not the point. <laughs> like the point is I want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the worst when kids kind of outsmart you're like oh I have an excuse I don't really want to go to the park so I'll sell and they're like no like I have a workaround it's fine yeah <laughs> like oh you're such a good problem solver thank you 
<laughs> love it who taught you that <laughs> yeah. oh me why oh. did i do that okay. why did i do that to myself <laughs> yeah. should have waited should have waited a couple years no <laughs> that's so funny yeah oh man well do you have any fun projects coming up soon or new patterns you're going to release later this year i do i have a pattern coming out with mary from mary go rounds number mary go rounds membership okay um so it's my pa- i'm going to be the feature designer in july i have a fun pattern coming out called okay. the dancing jasmine and it's gonna be cute Ooh, fun Is yes it- it's that one that i messed up with the hourglasses oh yeah okay but it'll still be fine. beautiful yeah. yeah it's still beautiful so is it inspired um, by jasmine flowers or yes so okay. in the dominican republic I know we have them here in the U.S., but we have this little flower and has like four petals and mm-hmm. they look like they're dancing with the one hips down. Yeah. So it's inspired on that flower. Mm. I try to ask my family what was the name of the flower so that I can Google it and mm-hmm. the name in English. Um, so I think it's a jasmine in English and that's why we called it the Dancing Jasmine. Okay, fun. Yeah, so that's coming out. And then... Um, my collaboration with Aurafil was just announced, so I'm excited to um, work with them and put out some projects in the future. Yeah, and I'm still working with ABF. So, That's oh, I am doing the Instagram takeover the last weekend of this month, so okay. June twenty, June thirtieth through July second. Okay, That's so Yay. fun. So we'll look yeah. for you on their Instagram on that last weekend in June. Yeah, I'm also doing a quilt along that's okay. going to be starting next week, um, June 14th, for my free pattern, Rosalia. So okay. if you want to join us, June 26th, it's just two weeks into the quilt along, you can catch up. Yeah, I'll just uh, I'll uh, get that bundle <laughs> ordered and <laughs> I'll create a new hour in the day for myself because, yes, like. I quilt all day long, but never for myself. So it's, it's dicey. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> yeah. So, but I'm excited. This is my very first quilt along. Yeah. Um, I have no idea what I'm doing, but we're figuring it out. Yeah. <laughs> we Gotta start somewhere. Fingers. Exactly. So building the plane as we're flying in. It's going to be great. Yeah. It's kind of how things go, be, right? Most of the it's time. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Just get it up in the air and you can finish the rest when you're up there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. You know, and this is totally random, but as a kid, I thought the United States was high up on the ground. Oh. Because whenever a plane takes off, it goes oh. up in the air. So I thought it was like literally like high. Up, above. Yeah, and that's why we <laughs> took planes to get there. Um and I this just came into my mind because I was talking to my students about this. Um, we were talking about how the fires from Canada and all that smoke is coming to, you know, New York City and it's coming down the Northeast. Um, and then I, that memory came into my mind and I was telling my students about it and they're like, oh man, you were so dumb. I'm like, I was a kid, you know? Yeah. Well, if you <laughs> I'm know, sure you believed weird things too when you were little. For sure. For sure. Like, and if you've never really like traveled that much or haven't necessarily experienced being on an airplane, like how else would you know? Exactly. If you only see them take off, right? Or you only see them in the air, but you don't see them coming down, then you assume that it's high up in the air. That's yeah. it. It makes sense to me. I mean, I could I could totally see how you would think that as a kid, but <laughs> teenagers are mean, so <laughs> Not all of them, yeah. but sometimes. They're, they're brutal. <laughs> they can be. I'm like, wow, thanks, bestie. Mm. My niece is Keeping me in check. Yeah. 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 You're my keeping me niece. humble. Yeah. She's, I'm like, she'll say something to me. I'm like, Ava Bell, why are you so mean to me? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> She's like, wow, nice shorts. I'm like, wow, nice face. Like, why are we having this conversation? I hate it. You're so mean what a comeback <laughs> I know I mean it makes sense she does come by it honestly because we're all pretty sassy but but then she'll yeah. like come in and give me a huge hug and like squeeze me so tight and I'm just like ugh, fine I love you too <laughs> yeah 
that one kid that always gives me a hard time accidentally calls me mom. I'm like, mm-hmm. I know, I know. I this know. is why you give me a hard time. I know. Yeah. I know, baby. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's so funny, too. When they do, you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like more, I think, I guess like it probably happens more frequently when they're younger. Like I used to get called mom all the time by my third graders because they're just still in that like mom, mom, mom. But probably as teenagers, they probably feel embarrassed, but I think that shows that they're comfortable with you or like that they trust you that enough to just like slip and call you mom. Yeah. Oh, they, they really do appreciate your presence, even though they don't readily admit it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. kids have tough walls to, to break down, but you know, they're there for a reason. And it's just nice to be in a spot where you can be an unconditionally accepting person in their life, you know? Yeah. That's tough. But that's, I think I told my husband too, because every once in a while he'll be like, you're sure you don't miss teaching? I'm like, no, I don't miss it. I do kind of miss the kids sometimes, but also like, I don't miss the heartbreak I would feel all the time. Like just seeing the kids who are experiencing some you know, yucky things that I couldn't do anything about. And so I would come home and just mm-hmm. cry and cry and cry over certain students. Cause there was just like, I felt so helpless and not that I, yeah. you know, couldn't be helpful or couldn't see myself being in that position again, but it just, it took a huge toll on my mental health. Just like when I wasn't necessarily my, my mentally healthiest either trying to be stability for people when I didn't even have that stability for my own self. So it was just like, not a good position for me to be in, but you know, it's tricky. It is. And right now I'm really struggling with that same thing you're saying. Um, Because before I used to have the mental capacity to come home and cry over kids issue and like worry about it. But now I don't have the space to occupy it. And I feel, feel so guilty about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm at this point where I'm like, I'm debating the the sunk cost fallacy. Like mm-hmm. I put in 13 years, do so I want to give up now? Right. Um, but it's it's I am not happy with the classroom right now. I am struggling with my mental health. Mm-hmm. I am I suffer from a lot of anxiety after having my baby. Mm-hmm. And every day that I'm at school and I'm thinking of all the things that could go wrong and not being able to be there for my baby. And yeah. that mental load is just like yeah. all day, every day, and still expect to perform and do my job and be everything that my students need and responsive teaching and an engaging lesson and respond yeah. to my admin's email within three minutes of getting it. It's so much. Right. Um, that I don't know. I think I think I should take all the plug. I don't know. Yeah. It's hard because yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm eight. If I get ten years in this, and I'm just like, I can't do this for one more day. Like, I can't. Like those what ifs don't matter more than me getting healthy and me betting on myself and taking a chance on you know running this business with my mom and starting this podcast and just doing the things that were giving me joy because I did I wasn't finding joy in teaching anymore and I think. I think there is that still pressure, especially because I think teaching the profession itself and how it's run, like there's still that like old thinking that like, oh, you have to stay in this for a really long time and you have to retire from this. And, you know, it's at the end of the day, like I can do some, I can invest my money in a certain way that I can end up with more retirement than I would have if I had stuck out teaching and retired at 67 or whatever I would have needed to do like to get my benefits and like Mm -hmm. I just could not betray myself any you know long enough to stick it out and like well I can just push through like especially when I was trying to heal from that way of thinking of like I can just push through the hard stuff because you know I need to be tougher than that or I need to be you know I I can just deal with it and it was causing physical, like I was having physical health problems because of the stress and like, I just couldn't do it. (laughs) So 
I know some people love it. They stay in it. And that's, I love, I love them for that. Like I, I worship teachers. I think they're the most amazing people and they're the most needed people in our society. And, but like also people who can be honest about where they're at and, and do things that they can actually help contribute. Like if I felt like if I stayed, I wouldn't be contributing because I would have just been such a mess that I wouldn't have like benefited the classroom in any way. So I feel, yeah, the struggle is real and it's hard because at least for me, like I felt like I was letting the school down. I felt like I was letting my students down and letting down the people who cheered me on as I got my degree and my master's degree. And like, then I was just like, I'm not doing it anymore. And they're like, Oh, (laughs) but it's not about them. Like (laughs) it's about, you know, it's about you, each individual person. And so you're speaking to my soul right now I'm about to write my resignation letter <laughs> do it I'll sign it for you no I'm, I'm just gonna kidding. cry oh. oh it's just so hard it's it is so, so hard. hard it's so hard and I don't yeah. think people see that like I know a lot of people do but I just think as a greater society people don't see how hard it is. And it doesn't matter how many Instagram posts people make. It doesn't matter how many YouTube videos of like craziness goes out. Like people still have their opinions. And as a people, if we stay so divided, like nothing's going to change. And it's like, sorry, I don't want to be a cog in this system anymore because it's not working. It's not working for the kids. It's not working for the teachers. and the kids the kids are not the same after the pandemic no and I'm not the same after the pandemic and expected to perform just that I used to be Mm -hmm. pre-pandemic days is just an unrealistic expectation for everybody Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah I also find that a lot of my students at least were on their own for two years their Mm -hmm. parents were at work and they were the ones in charge of their siblings of their house of themselves for 18 months or however long they were on their own right and so trying to get them to do anything is such a combative and not all the students are like this no some um it's such a combative situation because they're so independent because they have been on their own for so long with no one telling them what to do mm-hmm. that it just makes the job so much harder like if you, just, if you just open your eyes and look at what I'm trying to tell you and just listen to me, we're gonna figure this out. Yeah, um, but like I don't know, the blinders are still there, and that mentality yeah. that I I'm doing what I you know I governed myself for 18 months. So who are you to tell me what to do? Right, and at that age, like a year and a half seems like such a long time. That I you know I can imagine that it's like yeah I. I did this for, you know, so much of so much time. Like I don't need anybody to tell me what to do, but I, you know, it's just a hazard of being a teenager. Like you think, you know, more than you do. And, and it's hard. So it's hard to like come back from that. Like, yeah. yeah. Why would you come back from that? Right. And with, you know, that kind of, it's not like hardcore neglect, but neglect enough that these kids think they're fine without guidance and support and and it wasn't the parents choice necessarily to be gone or to to neglect the situation but you know again that's a societal issue where we've created this normalcy around parents not being around their kids and it's I don't like it I mean I grew up homeschooled mostly so I was around my parents all the time or my mom all the time because my dad went to work but so when I got to get away from them I was like see ya (laughs) but now look (laughs) at me I'm right back where I started and I work with my mom and I see them every day and you know back under the wing yeah it's kind of nice but yeah anyway I just it's just so hard and just seeing people go through it and just watching people, you know, retire earlier, just quit out because they're like, I can't do this anymore. There's no structure. There's no accountability. There's no, they, the expectations are so high, but there's no like clear path on how to meet those expectations. And yeah. And also I'm great. I went to school for teaching 
this is what I saw myself doing for the rest of my life. So now I'm like grieving and reconciling Mm -hmm. that within myself as well. So there's a whole nother level of turmoil that, you know, I have to work through at the moment. Oh yeah. It's just, it's so much. It's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. It took a lot of therapy for me, like, but ultimately that's how I ended up seeing how dysfunctional my environment was, was because I was in therapy at the time. And so -hmm. then when I was like, guess what? I'm going to quit teaching. She was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was like, are you, are you sure? Like you literally just got your master's degree. I'm like, yes, I'm sure. I hate it. (laughs) She was like, ah, so it was like months of talking it out and like unpacking it and digging in. And and like you said, grieving, I had to grieve this identity that I was holding so tight to that. Like, well, I'm a teacher. If I'm not a teacher, I'm nothing. Like who am I? What am I? And I come from a family. My dad is a teacher. His mm-hmm. dad was a teacher. His siblings are teachers for the most part. So I feel like it's in my lineage. Yeah. But also like, man, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think so I feel like I'm letting my family down. There's mm-hmm. so many layers to this. <laughs> yeah. No, I was in that same boat too. I'm like, but but they were so proud of me. And I would just sit there and sob and like my parents were proud of me for, you know, getting a degree and I'm the first kid to get like out of my siblings. I'm the only one who has a college degree. Like my dad got one later in life. And so he graduated two years before I did from Mm. college, but like, it just was like, it was a big deal. But then at the same time, like on the other side of it, I'm like, oh, it wasn't as big of a deal as I made it. Like in my head, I had worked it up. Like if I, if I quit, then they're not going to be proud of me anymore. Like they're going to think I'm letting them down and all this stuff. And I, I like unleashed on my mom. I was like, are you guys still going to be proud of me when I quit teaching? She was like, yeah, why are, what? (laughs) I I just feel like it's the only thing that makes you proud of me. She was like, are you kidding me? I was like, no, this is serious. I was like sobbing. She was like, oh my God. (laughs) But I think just those reassurances help too. You know, you need, to, you do need to know that your community, your people have your back and mm-hmm. that's, it's still hard. So I feel you. I'm, ugh. I hope, uh, I hope you can figure out the path that works best for you. Cause it's, it is hard. It is hard. It is hard, but a decision will be made. Yeah. I have three more instructional days to figure it out. Oh my gosh. I, I got this. <laughs> yeah. Our, well, not more than three days. Like our school year goes through June 27th. Oh, okay. Um, so I have until June 27th to figure wow. it out. That's a long yeah. school year. I know, but we do start teaching after Labor Day. Oh, okay. That's it. Yeah. It's pushed back for okay. us in the city. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Well, that's New York City. That is how it is for the whole city. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Ours starts so early. Our like here, our schools start in like the middle of August, and then they get out before Memorial Day. So our kids are done oh. at the end of May. So I would guess that's nice. Yeah, I think. I don't know. Because when they go back to school in the middle of August, it's still so hot outside. Like they're still Still summer. Yeah. So I wish they would go back later almost because yeah, then they they go to school for like two weeks and then they have a long weekend and then they're in school until, you know, Thanksgiving break. So they have like a long stretch, but then they're, you know, back to school for two weeks and then they have Christmas break and then they're back and the spring semester is so long. So they're like, well, we have to make sure we get the instructional days. And it's just like. kids burn out so fast in the spring because they haven't had enough they're like itching to get back to summer but I think if they really rode out the whole summer then I don't know yeah who who am I (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah we're just people who like to sew I guess (laughs) yeah that's it yeah that's all there is to it Mm -hmm. well this has been so fun chatting with you and getting to know I you just, and 
yeah, it has been lovely talking about teaching with you. <laughs> we should do another podcast and talk about quilting. <laughs> yeah, we should. I know. I'm like, oh, we didn't really talk about quilting that much, but I That's definitely, okay. I think, you know, we're just multifaceted people and quilting is in there and you make it, you make it fun to look at on your Instagram and, you know. Thank you. I'm working on it. Yeah. You're doing some really great things. So I love to see that. And, you know, I always love to get to know the person behind the quilts because I want to know what, where your head's at, like what inspires you. So to me, this was like the perfect conversation (laughs) because now I know more things. I'm like, okay, I love this. Thank you. Of course. Yeah. And, um, we will watch for your Instagram takeover for June 30th, June 30th, through July 2nd. Okay. June 30th through July 2nd. We'll watch for that. And we'll look for your, we'll watch your quilt along as it happens and just see all the beautiful makes and look forward to your upcoming projects. Yeah. Thank you. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. I've never done an Instagram takeover either. So this is the year of a lot of firsts for me. Yeah. And I'm I'm excited about it. It's going to be great. Yeah. That'll be so fun. I know I love Instagram takeovers because then it's like you get to see, you know, the people you love that you follow doing something so fun with a brand that you love. So it's like, I don't know, it just feels really cool. So I'm excited for you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. This has been so fun. And I'm excited for people to finally learn why you had a cast and <laughs> they can satisfy that that itch that is not being scratched by not knowing your story <laughs> I guess I should have clarified but then it's so long after the cast yeah. like the getting to the cast part it's just so long you know yeah this is but better you don't have to type it all out or try to make right. some Instagram story that people are going to miss out and be like, wait, what? I missed something. I'm like, yeah, you did. And I'm not repeating myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did a whole Instagram story on how to pronounce my name um, yeah. and the story behind it, but then I didn't save it. And I feel like I sh- should have done that so people can go back. Cause I get um, a lot of messages or emails of people asking me, how do you say your name? Is yeah. it Vickity? Is that Vakaiti? Oh, no. Oh, it's like Katie. I was wondering the same thing. I was like, it can't be the Kaidi because I mean, it could be, but I was just like, I know if I say it that way, it's going to be wrong and I'm just going to look like a giant idiot. So I'm just going to ask and you know, it works out better that way. So, but yeah, that would be cool. I mean, to have a little highlight. So if people are wondering, you can be like, just go to my, my story highlight about how to say my name. (laughs) I like that. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Gives people some knowledge and some, they feel more, probably feel more comfortable reaching out too. That's true. I am definitely going to do that. Thank you. You're welcome. So much for the idea. Of course. Of um, course. Let me know where to send you a check for the counseling for today. <laughs> <laughs> that one's on me. This one's free. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> thank oh, you. Fair. Yeah. Thanks. Well, hopefully we'll talk again soon. Yes, we will. I'll see you on Instagram for sure. Okay. Sounds good. (laughs) Bye. Bye.